Hey, I'm Chris Cooper. I took a 200-word blog and built a $25 million mentorship company from it. It wasn't easy, and I had to learn some huge and expensive lessons along the way. But now I'm sharing those lessons with other business coaches and mentors and high-level entrepreneurs in this podcast. Want to chat with me? Go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there. Freedom and responsibility within a framework. Why is that so important if you're building a great company? I'm Chris Cooper. This is Business is Good. And this week, I'm continuing our conversation about Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. And today, I'm focusing on a culture of discipline, why that underlies everything else when you're trying to build a great company. Jim Collins in his book says that a culture of discipline is one of the six necessary elements that make a company great. And it's kind of a profound concept, but I'm going to make it really actionable for you. So nowadays, everybody talks about culture as if it's a tangible thing. There are hundreds of business books about culture, and many companies go out of their way to focus on culture without a really clear definition of what that is. So they put in pool tables, and they put in breakfast bars and ping pong or whatever, and they have staff nights out at bars to improve their culture, and they have fun Fridays on Zoom, and they send out party hats. You know, I'm guilty. We've done this. We all have. But when you ask them how their culture is improving or how it's better than it was two weeks ago, nobody knows because they can't define it. You know, does good culture mean that everybody's happy at work all the time? Does great culture result in better staff retention? Does that affect your clients? Does it change any of the key economic indicators of the company? Who's to say? You know, as Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart said, I'll know when I see it. He was uh, defining obscenity and pornography in the media when he said that. But we all kind of say that about culture, right? We can't define it, but we know when we see it. The thing that makes Colin's book, Good to Great, so powerful is that he actually pinpoints the culture present in great companies. And that culture is freedom and responsibility within a framework. So here's what that means from the CEO to the staff. The CEO's job, that's probably you if you're listening to this podcast, your job is to grow the company. So your framework is defined by the company's mission. Maybe that mission is more dividends to stakeholders, or maybe the mission is more market penetration or market share, or maybe the mission is in the public sector to vaccinate more people or to serve more hot meals. The goal of the company could be just to become great, to grow by understanding their hedgehog, which I talked about in our last episode, that place where they can be the best in the world with a steady economic engine and undying passionate for what they're doing. If the company's mission is to maximize shareholder dividends, then the CEO builds the framework to maximize dividends. If the mission is to help people get fit, then the CEO builds the framework to help more people get fit. And then they must adhere to that framework. They must avoid the temptation to do other things or start other companies or play around with side hustles or otherwise be distracted from that goal. Now, of course, this focus is kind of a paradox. Every profitable company must serve their client well, and every service-focused business must make money if they want to stick around. The key is to build a framework that allows for a little bit of flexibility, that's your freedom, but ultimately holds the CEO accountable for results, which is responsibility. The staff's job are, uh, they're responsible for following the framework to deliver a specific outcome. However, there might be some freedom within that framework as long as the intended outcome is produced. And that's the key, the outcome has to be produced. So for example, in my gym, our coaches have a class plan. They know that they have to start the group right on time. 
They know that they have to follow a series of warm-up exercises. They know they have to spend 15 minutes on the warm-up and then 15 minutes teaching skills. And then they have to transition to the workout of the day. They know that they have to finish the workout five minutes before the class time ends and then to high five and congratulate and thank everybody before they leave. But within those blocks, they have freedom to tell jokes, to demonstrate exercises differently than I would, to spend more time with one client than another time, you know, as long as the objective is met. My manager at the gym has a sales plan, a framework for sales. She has a series of five questions to ask every prospect that will help her produce a good workout recommendation. And the last question that she asks every client is, are you ready to start now? And that helps her transition from teaching to selling. She has the freedom to share personal stories, tell the client a joke, banter about their kids, their mutual friends, connections, family, but she's measured on the outcome, which is her close rate, the number of clients who sign up. In my mentorship practice, mentors have frameworks for each stage of mentorship. Some stages allow for more freedom within the framework, but all stages have clear responsibility to get the client a specific outcome. So the first stage of our mentorship practice is really tightly scripted. We want clients to build momentum and trust, and so we give them very simple steps. Click here, copy this, paste here, say exactly this. And the mentor's responsibility in that stage is to guide the client through the first phase with all the steps completed, which results in the client gaining more clients to their gym and making more revenue. And then in the second stage, the mentors have a framework with a little bit more freedom. So they can guide the path of each client based on the client's goals and needs because they're different. They can select from a huge library of resources and courses and tools, and they can follow up with the client on email or on text or on messenger or on phone calls, whatever they want. They can hold one hour meetings or they can hold shorter sessions. They can nominate their clients for prizes and awards, but ultimately they are responsible for a single outcome. The client has to achieve their profit goal. Now, that's how we work with staff in my companies. But for staff in your company, a culture of discipline means following a plan instead of chasing novelty, holding clients to the plan instead of dreaming up new directions at every workout or every mentor call, holding management and the CEO accountable for setting the course, creating the frameworks and sticking with them, using different methods to motivate clients while understanding that the client's outcome is the ultimate goal. My first gym, nearly failed because I lacked a culture of discipline. I had great coaches, awesome staff, amazing clients, but nobody was following a framework because I hadn't developed one yet. The coaches wanted to be successful. They wanted to have a clean gym. They wanted to run really great classes, but every class was different. Every situation was different. Everybody's definition of clean was different because they were all treated as these individual cases. When I wrote a playbook and a checklist and a set of policies, then we had a framework and my great people flourished within that framework. Is a culture of discipline really easy to build or maintain? Not really. It requires having the disciplined people with disciplined thought processes. It also means avoiding an authoritarian culture led by a disciplinarian who punishes people for every step, right? You can go too far. But here's the key. Staff must be disciplined about the framework not disciplined to only respond when the boss comes knocking. Good CEOs learn how to build frameworks and to create freedom for their staff to operate within those frameworks instead of setting a rigid set of rules and turning their staff into robots. On the other hand, without a framework, even the best people can go astray, ultimately become frustrated and quit to chase their own dreams. Our duty to everybody in our organization, from the CEO to the staff, 
to our clients is to build frameworks that work and to establish a culture of discipline for operating within those frameworks and being responsible for the eventual outcome. Hey, if the frameworks don't produce the outcomes, then the staff should look at the CEO and say, these frameworks don't work. But if the CEO produces good frameworks and the staff don't follow them, then the clients won't get results and the clients will fire everybody from the CEO to the staff. If you want help building these frameworks, you can go to businessisgood.com, look at our blog posts, click on the link to join our community, and we discuss all that stuff there. Better yet, if you want to find a mentor, just click the link to find a mentor, and I'll connect you with somebody else who can help you build these frameworks and a culture of discipline within your own company. I'm Chris Cooper. This is Business Is Good. Thank you for your service. Go build your frameworks. Thanks for listening to Business Is Good. If you'd like to chat about this episode or the blog posts or podcasts that I put on the Business Is Good site, just go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there.